Thank you, Priscilla, and welcome, church, and welcome those online to El Paso Bible Church. Hopefully, those of you who are here with us have received a, uh, a bulletin when you walked in so that you know the activities of the church. Today, of course, is Mother's Day, as well as Communion Sunday for us. I'll highlight that um, next week we're going to have a Mexican food lunch. Our, our monthly lunch will be focused on Mexican foods. Not required to bring Mexican foods, of course, but uh, everybody else will. Uh, so you might as well, too. Okay. No, seriously, you can, you can bring whatever you, whatever you choose uh, to the fellowship luncheon. If you want to open your scriptures to Romans chapter 12, verse 9, that's where we're going to be reading. I don't think there's any other activities that I need to announce. They're all highlighted already on the... Uh, on the bulletin, but I will point out that uh, uh, volunteers are needed for VBS in July, and I'm still looking for, uh, I w I'd like to have an additional uh, Sunday school or children's church teacher, so if the Lord is leading you to volunteer for that, and uh, that's in your skill set, I guess, let me know. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let's read this together, why don't we? Let's try that. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. That's pretty good advice, don't you think? Why don't you bow your heads with me? We'll pray together, and uh, then we'll sing together. Lord God, we come in the name of Jesus Christ to present our request to you because we know you're always listening, you always hear, and you always know. You sort through the worries and the trials and the troubles that we have that cloud our hearts, cloud our minds, that give us pause to think that there's something on this earth that can satisfy us, when in reality we know, Lord, that there's our, our pure satisfaction, our true joy will come when we are with, with, are with you. But Lord, we do have requests that we want to make for people in our congregation that, uh, that have physical needs, that need some healing. There are a number of those, Lord, that, that you're aware of and that we're aware of. So we present those to you, Lord, that you would uh, heal those folks that need healing. And God, that you would bless those folks that are away from us right now, that are uh, traveling and on other, other activities or errands. Pray, Lord, for those in the, uh, in the audience that are watching online. Uh, that they would also be blessed by this service. Pray, Lord, for your blessing upon our singing and the preaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Would you stand with us for a time of worship?
There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Is it all too much to care? 
gonna live like my chains are gone, gone Now my sin is gone And I sing hallelujah Done, done He is risen, it is done And I sing hallelujah a weapon that will overcome I'm gonna shout like the battle's won Fall back down cause your time is up Oh I'm gonna live like the stone is gone Jesus' name, I cross the solid 
rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, if we have any great-great-grandmothers, I hope I'm not missing anybody. Normally, y'all are nice and don't get mad at me for missing one of the one level or something, but uh, happy Mother's Day. Oh, uh, Glenn's mom is watching here, yeah, in case y'all are wondering. He's being a good son. I'm going to encourage you. Now, y'all know if you've been here for more than one year, that I don't necessarily always do a Mother's Day sermon, and today is not different. Um, the reason for that is, and I, I just ought to let you in a little bit on my, on my brain. This is scary for some people. Uh, when I introduce people to my shop, 
I say, this is what my brain looks like, and they all go. <laughs> it's not completely organized all the time. But I don't stray into, this, into the realm of topical sermons unless I feel that the Spirit wants me to do that. And He has placed the message and pressed one on my heart in order to do that and communicate that to you. Otherwise, guess what? I go to work, which is our verse-by-verse expository teaching, and that's what we're going to do today. But happy Mother's Day. Do the best that you can, the best that you are able to honor your mother and your lineage, your matrilineage, if you will, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, and great-great-grandmothers. All right? All right? Thanks. Okay, that's good. So we're going to honor our mothers today. That's your job. My job is not to honor your mother, by the way. Right? Your job is to honor your mother, and I'm your pastor and telling you to do it. So that's your mini-sermon today. Honor your mother. Okay. Children, we have a children's church class today. It is Communion Sunday, so we just have adventurers, which means adventurers, Mr. Steve is pointing in the right direction. That is, if you go to adventurers. Um, we have a few that go to adventurers, Yes. It flip-flops every few years. We have a wave of kids into Explorer. We have a wave of kids into Adventurers. Um, that's how it goes. All right. So the Adventurers are gone. The big kids. Kaylee, you're here. That's good. Isaac's here. Juliet's here. All the big kids. Ones I can see up front. Caden back there. All right. You guys ready? You buckled in? All right. We're in First Thessalonians this morning. Um, Continuing our study, we're talking about sanctification. We've been talking about sanctification for a few weeks, and in fact, I, I would say that a lot, large portions of the New Testament are focused on our sanctification, the things that we should do in our lives, the things that we uh, are supposed to do, walking by the Spirit, informed by the Word of God, according to proper doctrine, teaching of Scripture, which is important. Most recently, we've talked about the need to rejoice always, to pray, not abandon prayer, and to give thanks in everything. This may turn into something of a Mother's Day sermon, by the way, just because that's how we roll sometimes. But give thanks today in everything. Any mother that is here this morning will tell you that they're not perfect ones, right? I got nobody raising hands. I'm going to take that as, a, as, a, as an agreement, right? But appreciate, give thanks in everything, even if your mama yelled at you this morning to get you to church on time, right? Give thanks that she loves you enough, right? Don't quench the spirit. Again, that's something that you or I are being commanded not to do in our own lives. Don't quench what the spirit is doing in my life. Submit to the work that he's doing, whether it comes by suffering or abundance, we're supposed to submit to that. Uh, we're not going to despise prophecy. We're going to have expectations for the future and what it holds for the believer in Jesus Christ. And, of course, that's not the whole list. That's just the whole list from the past couple of Sundays. Um, and that's one of the nice things that we record these things. Um, I don't know how it happens. I have several collections of very long sermons before typesetting and typewriters even existed, really. And I can't imagine somebody sat there and listened to that preacher and transcribed it as they went by hand and has stored those things for us. You know, paper isn't forever, but the Internet is, right? 
<laughs> That's what they say. You can't get stuff off the internet even if you tried. And so we're thankful for that, actually, uh, that we have that opportunity. But if you need to know the other things that were in the sanctification portion, you can go look those up and listen. Um, but that's the list from the past couple of weeks. So we're going to continue. We're almost done with this book. Uh, and verse 21 says this. In some of your translations, it will say, examine everything or test all things. Now the, the skeptics. Are you a skeptic? I'm skeptical of your lack of admission to being a skeptic. I'm a little bit of a skeptic. I approach things and I want to examine them. I want to test them. I think that's reasonable, right? But some of y'all are going to hear something that's not intended. It does not say, be suspicious of everything. You know the difference? Don't be suspicious of everything, but you do need to test all things. And it's a particular word here. That word is the imperative form of dokimazo, which means he's telling you, uh, I think... uh, Steve might have misspoken earlier today. He called that advice from Romans 12, 9. It's not advice. It's a command. It's all right, Steve. We all do it. It's not really a choice that you have, and it is an advice for you to take or not to take. It's a command. But dokimazo is a common word in the New Testament, and often it, it just simply means to approve something, right? That's the Awana verse. Approved workmen are not ashamed, right, Awanas? You can pluralize it that way. Awana doesn't like for you to call it Awanas, but when I'm referring to the individuals in the Awana, we can pluralize it, right? Y'all just had your awards, so. That's what I thought. I'm not used to having little girls tell me what to do in the middle of a service, but there she goes on Mother's Day. All right, she's trying to tell me what to do. Awana, y'all just had your, that, that's the word that's used there, approved workmen. Dokimas, workmen, are not ashamed. They're not ashamed, they're approved. Because, they're approved because they lack shame. They're doing these things together, right? That's a key word. That's how, often that's what it means. Now, be careful because we're not a bunch of whack job liberals at El Paso Bible Church, and we don't read this and say, approve all things. That is not the idea here, right? We've got to nuance that a little bit because it does say approve. I mean, approve is in here, but test is in here. And it is all things. We've got no question about that, right? Are you supposed to approve all things? God forbid you would approve all things. You have to take leave of your senses. And there, is, there are lots of commands in Scripture that kind of stick in my craw a little bit occasionally. I'm like, God, is that really what you want me to do? I'm really thankful, he says, don't take leave of your senses. All right, let me tell you, he doesn't say that. He doesn't tell me to do that. But he does say, examine everything, dokimas, everything. It does not mean to approve of everything because that's just what the world does eventually, right? It starts with demanding your acceptance, right? We accept that sin is in the world. We accept that the world walks the way the world does. We accept that the world cannot apprehend spiritual things, the flesh, right? The natural man, excuse me, 
We understand that. We accept it. But then they want to go further, right? They don't want you to just accept it. You, ha- you must accept that the world is the world, right? Because, again, you can't take leave of your senses. But it goes from that, acknowledging that the world is the world, to everybody wanting a parade for every choice they make. That used to make more sense before COVID. They don't let us have parades anymore, do they? Maybe we're back to some parades this year. So you're not supposed to approve all things. But it is an optimistic testing. It's optimistic. What that means is that I'm not being overly skeptical or overly pessimistic. I am looking carefully, strenuously. I'm exerting myself to identify things of which I can approve. You see the, kind of the difference? That's not the picture that most people get of Christians, is it? You're just looking for things to be mad about. You're just looking for things that are supposed to ruin your emotions and make you have a bad day. That shouldn't be us. It really shouldn't be us. You could do that easily. I've told you before, watch 15 minutes of news (laughs) and then turn it off. It's just going to ruin your day. You need information, but you don't need emotive bondage (laughs) that comes by watching that 24 hours a day. You don't need that. It's an optimistic examination. Now, certain venues are different, I'm sure, but I don't admire professors that give pessimistic examinations, generally. Okay, so I'm, I'm in a, a program for my doctor, doctoral work right now, PhD. And every eight weeks, I have to essentially give an oral defense of my research for that period. Every eight weeks, like clockwork, usually on the busiest week of the whole month, whatever month it happens to fall in, starting another one on Thursday. And when we go into that, that environment, it is called a defense, right? You're supposed to give an oral defense of your research. They give, you can sometimes define your topic, sometimes they give you one. But you know, none of those professors, none of them come in there going, boy, Josh is a moron. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to squash him like a roach. Nobody does that in that program. Now, there may be somebody like that, but I consider that a psychological disorder. If you spend your whole life instructing and training and discipling someone and and teaching them an information that they need to know, and, and the culmination, the very apex of your relationship is the examination and you're looking for nothing else other than to squash them, that's foolish. It's a waste of your life. Don't do it. You're just acknowledging your repetitive failure over and over and over again. I don't admire that and I don't admire it in other venues. I don't admire it in other contexts. I don't admire that in personal relationships. And that's what Paul is cautioning us against here. He's saying, you need to dokimas things. You need to dokimazete, the imperative. You need to examine things, yes, because you're not supposed to take leave of your senses, but you are supposed to approach this optimistically, 
positively looking for the things that you can approve of, seeking them out. You know, I grew up in a, in a wood shop, and uh, we did custom furniture, handmade custom furniture, and we did uh, restorations, right? And you could always tell. See, because, listen, this realm, your, your customers are, are a different level, right? If you're buying handmade furniture, you say, fix this piece of furniture, I don't care what it costs. Have you all been saying that lately? Are you watching the gas pump cycle a little bit? You know what I mean? So all of them were a little bit up on that end of the scale. Some of them were way up on the scale. Because it's expensive to have somebody drill every hole, fashion every piece by hand. It is expensive. Those folks generally, you bring in their furniture, handmade from boards that you would, you would look at and go, that looks like a really big pallet. That's what you would look at and say, that's how we did it. People way up here, it was really cool, usually. They would say to my dad, dad, that is fabulous. David, that is fabulous. I, I am astounded by that work. That is amazing. I can't even believe that your hands and your mind work together to do something like that. They approved it, right? They were looking to approve it. The people that had a little bit of a dip in their checkbook between the time they ordered it and the time they received it didn't look at the furniture that way. They were looking for a discount. Happened all the time. David, this is a piece of crap. <laughs> I can't believe you let that out of your shop. I watched this happen so many times. I'm ashamed to even think that humans could treat other humans that way. It could be the same exact piece of furniture. That shouldn't be us. Approach things optimistically. Look for the things that we can approve. A hopeful, optimistic testing. Looking for something of which we can approve something that is righteous, godly, appropriate to its context, sanctified. And it's important that we understand that because Christians have such a reputation for coming across as the looking for a discount people. Just looking for something to squash, to criticize. Well, I told you I wouldn't go make that a Mother's Day sermon. But some of us could have relationships with our mothers like that. Where nothing was good enough. And what's your natural response to that? It's not pleasant, is it? And over time, you might be tempted to respond in kind. Yes? No one's going to raise their hand or say yes to that. That's okay. I know you, that you could. Some of you could. You would at least understand hypothetically. I'm not saying that all of you all have, are in this position, right? Even in that situation, you need to acknowledge that life is better than not life. And there is something 
optimistically, that you can approach that relationship and say, of this I approve. I can't approve of everything else, but I can compartmentalize this. I can approve that. Okay, I'm going to try real hard not, not to make this a Mother's Day sermon from here on out. But it does apply, doesn't it? We need to be the people who look for the things that are positive, the things that we can approve. Our standards should be clear. We're not just out there looking for something to disapprove of, but that we have clear dividing line standards. It shouldn't be a surprise to people who know us well of what we approve or of what we disapprove. It should be pretty clear. People that know us should know. Seeking out the things that are good. Seeking out the things that are beautiful. I like that that word is the same in Greek most of the time. Kalos means good or beautiful. The things that are beautiful. should be clear. Seek those things out. And it says literally here, right, that you examine everything for the purpose of finding what you can approve. Examine everything and hold fast. The idea is to take into your possession, own it, that which is good. Not not to take it out of somebody else's possession physically, right? But to own your opinion and, or your estimation. Don't make apologies for it. That you identify something as good or beautiful in a context which may not be as a whole good or beautiful. Right? You can look at the world and say the world is a train wreck. Amen? Amen. The world is a train wreck. Is there good and beautiful things in it? Yes. Don't apologize for qualifying that that way. Are a lot of marriages in the United States train wrecks? You bet. Is that going to stop us from celebrating this marriage here? Gideon and Natalie? It was up on the screen. Y'all get a bulletin this week, even if you never get one. We throw a lot of bulletins away. We're going to celebrate and hold marriage in high honor at El Paso Bible Church in a couple of weeks. We're not sticking our head in the sand by saying that all marriages are good and solid and God-honoring and destined to last for a lifetime, but we are going to honor what is good and beautiful. Hold fast to it. Own your estimation, I would say, is a way we can do that. Don't apologize for saying that thing is good. Hold fast to them. We could say the same that we just said about marriage. Well, here I am. This is an accidental Mother's Day sermon. It's not my fault. I'm not really apologizing for it. I told you that I would tell you what the Spirit laid on my heart, right? These applications come to mind. Has anything come under attack more this week than motherhood? Anything? Anything? I can't fathom the hatred that people have for babies right now.
I was reading a news story. Can we call anything a news story? Aren't they all editorials these days? We used to know the difference between the editorial section and the news section, but we can't do that anymore. Purported to be a news story, and it was reporting that in response to a decision that hasn't been made yet, women all over the country in their 20s and early 30s are lining up for sterilization procedures. They quoted one person as saying, I am not ever going to allow a parasite like that to inhabit my body on purpose. I can't fathom that. We dare not allow that to adjust our opinion, our understanding of the beauty of motherhood, parenthood in this world. The fact that some women that should love babies hate them. Satan is alive and active in this world, folks. And he has deceived many. That isn't beautiful. Babies are beautiful. Motherhood is beautiful. Men who value mothers. I was going to say are beautiful. That doesn't sound right. They're good. They're good. I was remarking to my son yesterday, my youngest son, about his choice of video entertainment. And I said, son, I don't mind that you have some screen time, but we are going to embrace manly virtue in the stuff that you watch. And that ain't it. So we changed the channel, didn't we, Myers? He's not going to look at me. We instilled manly virtue instead of androgynous crap, let's just say. Cling to what is good. Own what is good, what is beautiful. Don't apologize for it. Examine everything carefully. Optimistically test everything. Looking for things that we can approve of. Hold fast. Take ownership. Possess what is good. And abstain from every form of evil. Push aside, dispossess yourself of every appearing of evil. Uh, this was one of, see, I went to a, a, a little private school. Like, I think I told you calculus in the broom closet size private school. Priscilla and I went there. I literally married 10% of my graduating class. There were 10 of us. And no, I'm not polygamous. It's just one. Just one. Ten percent of our graduating class. And there were a couple of verses that were the favorites. And they were godly people and they wanted what was best for us and they, they loved us, okay? Could be a little bit over the top. A little harsh. They could see you with a smile on your face and tell you, you need to abstain from every appearance of evil. What are you laughing at? Seriously. I mean, I was a sinner. I could have been laughing at something inappropriate, but how do you know? It was just a smile on my face. 
Because I was taught that this taught you that you're supposed to abstain from every appearance of evil, as in anything that anybody could think about as being possibly evil in your life, you're supposed to do everything in your power to keep people from thinking that you were doing something evil. That's not what that says. Can you even do that? See, sport coat season is over. It was 94 degrees yesterday. So now my hardware is on my belt again, out in the open. Doesn't bother y'all because y'all keep coming back. But we ought to explain. Why do I carry the gun, guys? Because I love you. And I wouldn't do anything else. Some people consider guns evil. Imagine that. Federal government does. And I've had people tell me, you need to, you need to avoid that. You look like a, you could be a bad person. Really? I look like I could, I mean, I know I look like I could be a bad person. I'm kind of rough looking. A little bit ugly. A little crinkle in my brow. Don't scowl, Josh. I'm not scowling. This is my face. You know, that kind of thing. It happens all the time. I could look evil without the gun. People are, I mean, the waters part at Walmart when I walk in at gun or no gun. Big scary redneck. I told you, you shouldn't carry that gun. You look like you're going to do something evil. Well, thanks for delving into the depths of my heart, counselor. In my world, the good guys carry the guns on the outside of their clothes. That's my world. Whether you have a badge or not is irrelevant. It's not saying that. This is not a command to go around patting hands and comforting people that you're really not doing something evil. It's not to avoid somebody thinking that you're doing something wicked. That's not, that's not here, right? Not to, it says to avoid every time that you can identify evil or it's visible, avoid it from actual evil, not from somebody thinking you might be doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Nobody gives two flips about that in Scripture. They want you to avoid real evil because real evil is dangerous. And it gets elected a lot. Avoid it. Don't check your brain. It's not something that could be perceived of as evil. We don't have time to waste much time with that. That, Scripture doesn't care. Scripture does not say you're supposed to treat people as if they're omnipotent and their perception of you could be actuality. That's garbage. We have enough real evil to avoid and to abstain from in the world without doing that. That will keep us pretty busy. And we can just try to abstain from real evil. You, know, you, you find this out, right? Because you can go to a church, you can pick any church any day of the week that doesn't teach grace the way that we do at El Paso Bible Church, and there are many. And just ask them. You can go to the pastor or whoever and say, what's, what's your list of no-nos? 
I encourage you before you, I mean, if you don't, I encourage you to come here for one thing. But if you leave El Paso Bible Church or you leave El Paso and you need to find a church, you should do this. What are the no-no's? What are the things that you think really call into question whether I truly believe in Jesus or not? Most churches have them. There's one thing on our list, by the way. I should tell you this. The one thing that determines whether you're going to heaven when you die is whether you believe in Jesus or not. I didn't hear any amens, but I'll just impute them to you. You believe in Jesus? Jesus himself says that you have eternal life. That is the, I'm obligated to have only one thing on that list, but that doesn't stop other people from making other lists, and they're all different. I had a secretary who was excommunicated years ago from a church for putting highlights in her hair. Real Christians don't put highlights in their hair. Y'all are out of luck, aren't you, ladies? Even if the Lord put highlights in your hair, which happens eventually, right? Pants, women wearing pants, men wearing skirts, you kilt wearers, you're out. That's not a skirt. I know, all you Scottish people, your blood's going to boil. No kilts in church, boys. Please, no kilts in church, okay? (laughs) If you're not tossing a log at the Highland Games, keep the kilts at home, all right? I love you. Different lists, aren't there? You can't do, using any other Bible other than the King James, we get that one a lot. Preaching in jeans, I was told that I was, I was bringing disgrace to the name of Jesus because I wear Wranglers sometimes to preach in. Sometimes back then, now pretty much all the time. Weird stuff. You can find lists of fake evil all over the world that people want to judge you by. Scripture doesn't care about those. Scripture cares about every evil. And because God loves you, Jesus loves you, and wants what's best for you in life, he says, cling to what is good and beautiful and abstain from actual, real evil. Abstain from it. Verse 23 is Paul's wish. This is the bookend here. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you. And he also will bring it to pass. Now, Paul's pronouncing this, but he's using a very, actually, it's kind of a rare form called the optative mood when he sp- says this. May God do this. It means he's, it's a wish. It's a way of wishing something upon you, of pronouncing a desired outcome upon somebody. We do this, right? Stay safe has been the, the, the universal bye-bye, hasn't it? People I don't know. I have no idea who they are. Stay safe. I don't know. I don't know why that became universal. Y'all don't know me very well. I don't do very well at staying safe. But what they mean is wear your mask and wash your hands, I guess. 
Those are not the things that have almost killed me in my life. Fire, electricity, water, and heights have done a pretty good job of nearly killing me. Viruses haven't done real well. May God do this. Isn't that nice? That people would wish you well? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. May God sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I pronounce this upon you. I want it for you. It's the best possible thing that could happen. That's Paul's desire. He wants that for you. But then he says something interesting, doesn't he? Faithful is he who calls you, and he shall bring it to pass. So he's expressing his desire. This is normal, optative mood. May God do this. May God do this. May God do this. But this is like Ten Commandments language, right? He shall bring it to pass. That's curious, isn't it? I tell people all the time, guys, you've got to deal with what is. That's the life that you've got to do. You can, uh, you can wish stuff all the time, but you've got to deal with what is. Here in this passage, we have Paul wishing for something that will happen, that will come to pass because of God's character, because God is faithful to the promises that he has given. He knows it's going to come to pass. And yet he expends the time and the effort and actually, frankly, the expense. Writing letters was expensive back then. It's expensive now too, isn't it? What are stamps these days? It's getting back up to where it's expensive again to write real letters. Why would he wish for something that he knows God will do? It's important, isn't it? Though, he could have just said, you know what, God's going to sanctify you entirely, end of story. He's going to do that. He's going to bring it to pass. But there's something important here, more than than just what God is going to do. It's very important for us to know who in our circles really desires God's best for us, isn't it? Maybe you haven't thought about that. Isn't it really important that you go to a church where the leadership of that church really, sincerely, honestly wants God's best for you in your life? It is very important to me that our church be like that. And I can tell you that that is true of the leadership of El Paso Bible Church. It is true for me. And I will say whatever has to be said as many times as it has to be said in order to see that take place as far as I'm concerned. But it's important. It's important. We focus a lot on how in Scripture, and it is true that we are a family, right? We're a family in Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. 
functioning together. But you also realize that just because somebody is your family doesn't mean they're on your team, right? Am I the only one that has had to come to that realization? At times. Not everybody in your family is always on your team, at least not every day, every week, every year. It's just a reality. As, time, in time, as a pastor, I have had to realize that fellow pastors that I have served with, they may be part of my family, but they weren't on my team. There are some people who have left a ministry that I was leading at times where I had to realize, you know, I dare not say that they're not part of the family, but they certainly weren't part of the team. They got their knickers in a twist way too fast to be part of the team. It's pretty important that we know that the people that we worship with and are being discipled by, being taught by, and serving with, want God's best for us, no matter what that costs me personally to do. We need to know that about people. They need to know it about us. So I want to say that again. Whatever it requires of me, I want God's best for you. The elders of El Paso Bible Church and the deacons, and the nursery workers, and the child's care, all of them, everybody in a leadership position here wants God's best for you because that is one of the primary qualifications for serving in that role here at this church. We do not have a warm body application process. Yes? Y'all know, y'all know what that is, right? I volunteer. Okay, you're in. That's how you get a president. That's not how you run the nursery or the children's ministry here at El Paso Bible Church. That's not how you get to serve here. We're happy that the body is warm, right? We're happy you're alive. But we need to know that you embrace and understand God's grace and want God's grace exhibited in the other members of this church's lives in the best possible way that God has. And I want that for you. And I hope you reciprocate it. But it won't change my perspective. We already went over this, but call your mother. Honor your mother. Do the best that you can. Seek God's best for her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have clear-cut instructions to examine all things, to seek to approve what can be approved, to hold on to what is good and to acknowledge what is beautiful and to abstain from evil. Thank you that these are clear-cut things to seek God's best in our lives and the lives of those around us and with us. Thank you for that. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
I apologize, guys. Did I mention my PhD class ended this last week? Man, if you would come forward, I will go ahead and I'm going to bless these elements today. Um, but if you would go ahead and come forward, gentlemen. Father, we love you. And we love you so much for this gift that you have given to us, your son, to stand in our place, to give his body, to spill his blood in a place that we deserved. Father, we thank you that we have this privilege this morning of proclaiming his death, but proclaiming his death until he comes back for us, until we're with him forever, until we are sanctified entirely, body, soul, and spirit, to be with him forever. And we look for it, and we look for it soon. It's in his name we pray, amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God.
This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Stand with me. We'll dismiss with a one last song. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I am my Savior. I'm happy and blessed. Watching and See you guys. Happy Mother's Day. See you next week.